hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. We are back. I hope you had a great 4th of July. It's one of my favorite holidays. Well, actually, I can't think of a bad holiday, but the 4th of July is near the top of my list. We, the Whitemans, we head to the beach, Bethany Beach in Delaware, to be specific, because every year they have this terrific parade during the day. Everyone comes out. The kids decorate their bikes. They throw candy off floats. What's better than candy flying through the air? And then at night, they have this amazing fireworks display. You do that. You throw in a cookout, some steamed crabs, good friends, and it's a good day all around. So we took a break from the show last week, and we have a little catching up to do today. Not much, but a little. Not a whole lot happens uh, because the holiday was on Thursday, which meant everyone had their eye on the door come Wednesday, and they didn't really have any plans on coming back on Friday. Basically, it was a four-day weekend. And what we'll do today is we'll look at the markets. We'll try to figure out what's going on. And I want to circle back on uh, something. The last show I did was the five to buy. And I'm going to add a six to that list today. That's the main purpose of this show is to give you ideas that you can take away and see if they make sense for you. It could be a strategy, could be a stock or, or whatever. You spend your time listening. So I want to make sure I try and give you something that you can use. I've talked about Pepsi before, simple PEP. And I want to come back uh, today and revisit that because they just announced earnings. And speaking of earnings, we are on the doorstep of another earnings season. That's right. Seems like the last one just passed. Well, here's another one coming up on us now with a turn of the calendar page. The first half of 2019 is in the books. And if history repeats itself, then investors are going to like the story that's being told. For the first half of the year, the S&P clocked in with capital appreciation north of 17%. And if you add in dividends, it was better than 18%. The Dow was up over 14% and the NASDAQ was up darn near 21%. And that's a big number. The NASDAQ up almost 21%. That's about 6.5% better than the Dow and about 3% better than the S&P 500. Intuitively, that would tell you that investors paid up for the more growthy type names as opposed to the steadier, more conservative type stocks. But this is a tale of two markets. The first quarter was fantastic. I mean, fantastic. Stocks backed. Uh, bounced back from a a horrible end of last year. And the second quarter, well, it was more of a mixed bag. It had a lot more volatility to it. To give you an idea, the S&P was up over 13% in the first quarter. And then it added another 3.8% in the second quarter. But stocks were all over the map. Stocks were up 3.9% in April. They were down 6.6% in May. And then they shot back up almost 7% in June. I said that if history repeats itself, then investors are going to like the story that's being told. According to Argus Research, 
their research on half-year and full-year performance on the S&P between 1980 and 2018 clearly shows that the amount of gain in the first half of the year has greatly influenced full-year performance. They found on average since 1980, the market has averaged 9.7% a year. For years like this one, where the first half is was up over 10%, the average full-year gain was better than 22%. But let's not get too crazy in our thinking here because history doesn't always repeat itself. And my compliance people will tell us history isn't an indicator of future returns. The market isn't cheap right now and could actually be more expensive than what we actually think. We could certainly be entering a profit recession. And if that's the case, if earnings fall into negative territory for the next two quarters, well, then we're actually paying more for stocks than what we might think. From a technical perspective, things have gotten better. You're seeing more stocks more and more stocks hitting 52-week highs and the percentage of S&P stocks trading above their 200-day moving average has climbed above 75%, which is right about the level we saw at the September peak, the last September peak. Or as my daughter would say, don't, don't, don't. There's something ominous there. Be careful, be disciplined, be value-oriented. We know that in the short term, Market can markets can do anything. If you want to have a conversation about your portfolio or your financial plan, well, you can give us a call. The number is 301-770-5334. Once again, it's 301-770-5334. The last couple of days, the market seems like it's readjusting itself. I'd done a couple earlier shows on the Fed and interest rates. And let me give you the quick executive summary here. The market had priced in a series of rate cuts for this year and next. But in my humble opinion, it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear to me that we needed them, or as least, or at least as much as the market was anticipating. The Fed has two mandates: maintaining full employment and stable prices. Well, I think you can check the box on both of those. And my guess is, is that the current rate is about neutral, neither too hot nor too cold. The only reason they would cut rates, again, in my opinion, the only reason they would cut rates now would be to take out an insurance policy. And with the latest jobs number last week, it seems less likely that the market is going to get their 50 basis points uh, of cut that they were anticipating this month. Maybe they get 25. Maybe they get nothing. And that's what I think the market is adjusting to now. Next week, I'm going to kick off summer school. Summer school. That's right. Summer school. We're going back to basics. Next week, we're going to discuss planning for the future. How to get started. We'll talk about where you should be saving and investing, how you should be saving and investing, spending down your assets when you're in retirement, talk about some of the mistakes that people make when they're doing their plan. And then the following week, we'll talk about how to buy stocks, probably one of my favorite things to do. No, we're not 
calling your advisor or going online, but we're going to be talking about what things you should look at when you're researching a company, like PE ratios, how to figure out free cash flow, what's the right price to pay for a business. We'll look at all that and then we'll wrap it up, uh, wrap up the series on the 31st with what's the right asset allocation for you. So tune in next week when we kick it off. Next Tuesday is when earnings seasons gets into full swing. And that's when we'll hear from companies like JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, uh, Goldman Sachs, all the financials start announcing and Johnson and Johnson will be another one that reports next Tuesday. One that's already come out is Pepsi, symbol PEP. And right now, Pepsi's trading about $131, paying almost a 3% dividend, which is pretty darn nice in my opinion. This is one of my core holdings, which basically means that I'm willing to nibble at it at almost any point in time because it's a very high quality business and I want to own it for a very long, long time. Let it compound. They reported adjusted earnings of $1.51 versus what the analysts were expecting of $1.54. So they beat expectations. The company said that they had organic growth of 4.5%, but that was offset to some extent by a strong dollar or they had negative currency effects. I don't worry about currency over the long run because at times it'll be a negative. Other times it'll be a positive. What I look at is I look at how many drinks they sold, how many snacks are being sold, those types of things. And Frito-Lay was up almost 5% in North America and 10% in Latin America. North American beverages, well, they grew at 2.5% for the quarter. So they've been selling more stuff. The stock right now is trading about 23 times earnings, this year's earnings estimates, and about 21 times next year's estimates. So yes, they aren't cheap. Some would even say that they're downright expensive. And I I don't think I would argue a whole lot. 21 times earnings is near or at the top of their five-year range. But if I look out a few years, and I think that they could be earning $7 a share, then maybe it isn't so expensive. It's certainly a high-quality business. They have a terrific balance sheet. Balance sheets, as you know, matter. Their earnings are pretty predictable. And I would argue that you should pay a premium for predictable earnings. And they generate a good deal of free cash flow, about $5 billion worth this last quarter. If I didn't own any, I would nibble slowly. I'd nibble because it isn't cheap. If I wanted to own 100 shares, then I'd probably buy a third or maybe 30 shares and wait to see if I could get it cheaper. It's so high quality and I'm getting a 3% dividend while I wait. What else would I look at? Well, as I said earlier, the last show I did was called Five to Buy. So I'll stick mostly with those for now. I talked about CarMax, symbol KMX, which may be getting out over its skis a little bit here. So if I could, I'd buy that closer to 82. That makes sense to me. Berkshire Hathaway, symbol BRK, we buy the B share. So it's BRKB. That's another core holding. So 
I think you're able to nibble at that. AT&T, symbol T. It's had a nice little bump here in the last couple of weeks. I'd be a buyer of that as long as it's yielding more than 6%. And I'd really love it if it was yielding closer to 6.5%. And then UNH, which is United Healthcare. Buy that. I'd start looking at that around 245. But you need to do your own homework and see if any of these make sense for your portfolio. Again, if you need some help or you have questions, just let me know. Phone number is 301-770-5234. Let's get out of here because we have three big weeks coming up with summer school. You don't want to miss it. We're planning to kick it off with planning for the future next week. Tell your friends if you think it might be of some use to them. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.